you that update. Uh, grab your message notes, continuing our series on being unshaken in a shaking world. And today's, I, I think, is a very, very uh, important uh, part of that whole process. So here's the thing. If I were to make a promise to you and say, I'm going to do this, you can depend on me, and then I don't right? I just blow it, and I don't fulfill. I don't come through on that promise. You would probably be disappointed, uh, but because you're a, a believer, you'd have to forgive me. So you'd forgive me. But if I did it again, a second time, I made a promise, and I did not follow through on that promise. Now, you'd probably have a little bit of grace, but your patience probably would be wearing a little bit thin. Well, what if I did it every time? Every, I just keep making promises to you, and you go, yeah, 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 and I just wouldn't come through. I mean, you could, <laughs> I just wouldn't do what I said I'm going to do. I mean, after a while, you would probably think, okay, that's it. I, I do not trust you. I don't trust anything you say. You're not reliable. You're off the list. <laughs> I'm done. I, I would understand that. But what if, what if every promise I made to you, okay, we were, we were in connection with each other and, and I would make a promise to you and I'd keep it. I'd make another promise. And I, every time I promised you that I would do something, I would do it. But I'd not only do what I said, I'd go above and beyond. I would, I would just, you know, they crazy promises and I'd even go way beyond expectations. After a while, you go, well, wow, I can trust him. Look what he does, and even, he even goes past what he says he's going to do. You know what? I, I can believe him. Anytime he speaks, I can believe him. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Not me. I, I'm not that good, okay? But we're talking about God. We're going to talk about how God keeps every promise that he makes for us. Matter of fact, he has a 100% track record of always doing what he says he's going to do. And you can count on him for that. Matter of fact, first verse in your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. All of God's promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. That means... If God says he will do something, you can trust and depend on the fact that he will do it, and oftentimes much more and bigger and better than what you expected him to do it. And so when you hear the saying, you've, you've probably heard this before, well, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. It's actually how it should be. <laughs> it's very simple, right? It's pretty simplistic, but it's actually the way it should be for all of us who follow Jesus Christ. Because in the Bible, there are not just hundreds, but thousands of statements that God makes that fall under the promise category. God says, I will do this. And we know that he will, because he promises. And, uh, but the thing is, for most of us, when, when we read the Bible and we read some, we're going to talk about some of the promises this morning, but when we read a promise of God, for most of us, it's just information. We go, yeah, that's good. That's awesome. But that's all it is until we experience God coming through and fulfilling that promise in our lives. And for many of us, 
we have never experienced those promises to become reality for us because we've never needed him to. Once we need God to come through, and oftentimes it's not till we're very desperate that we actually look to him and say, okay, God, you know that promise you made? I could use that right now. Let's look at an example in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. You've probably read this before. We sing songs about this. This is God speaking. And he says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. I mean, what a powerful promise God is making to us. In the verses before, he says, do not be afraid. He says, when you aren't afraid, this is what will happen. So when we are not afraid, we live by faith, this is what we can depend on. Why does God do this? Because he cares about us. He wants to do these things for us. Now, the question is this. Think really carefully. How do you personally know when these promises come true in your life? Okay, they're good. We sing about them, right? We, we hang our hat on these. But you don't really know until you go through the fire of oppression, when you go through deep waters, when you go through the rivers of difficulty. In other words, you don't really know that God will fulfill his promise, that he keeps his promise until you actually experience him keeping his promise in your life. Are you with me on this? Until then, it's just, yeah, I believe it, but you never know it here until you actually experience that. But let me go to the next level with the question, though. We're in the series talking about being unshakable in a shaking world. And when every, every weekend, every Sunday, we're talking about a different part of you building an unshakable foundation. So my question for you is this. How do you know when you become unshakable? Right? Well, the answer is very clear. It's when there's shaking begins to happen in your life. I mean, we'd like to think, I, mean, I think everybody here this morning would like to think and would like to be able to say, okay, devil, bring it on. Okay, world, bring it on. Okay, everybody else, bring it on. I will not be shaken. I'm going to stand firm, and I'm going to stand strong, and I will not move. But you don't know you will until there's shaking begins to happen, until you're tested. That's with everything, Right? It's not until the testing comes that you know if you will pass the test. That's why school was so awesome and we got tests all the time. You're laughing. To know if you know, to see if you know the answer. If you're getting what you're being taught, right? Now, there's another dynamic to God's promises. And that is, and you, if you've been around a while, you understand this as well. Whenever God makes a promise... It's always predicated upon a premise, a condition. God says, I will do this if you do this, when you do this, or because you do this. 
And so that goes with all of his promises. And uh, an example of that right now is this in James chapter 4, verse 8. I think all of us could relate to this one. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. I, I think all of us, would, we'd love the fact that God draws close to us. That God wants to be near me. And he does. Every one of you this morning, not only is God in you and with you, but God wants to be really, really, really close to you. So what is the condition? You come close to him. How do you do that? Well, you develop a relationship with him. You spend time with him in prayer, in, in his word. Get to know him in his word. In worship, what we've done this morning, you, you just make this a part of your life. You focus on him. And every day you say, God, I just I want to be close to you. Draw me close to you, God. And he says, come on, come close to me, and we're going to have something very, very special together. Okay? The memory verse for this week. How many of you remembered last week's verse? Anybody? Oh, I'm going to get you one of these days. All right. Let's go over it. It's going to be up here on the screen. Let's go over last week's. It was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. And here's what it says. So we don't, let's, let's say it together, okay? At least say the verse. might not remember it, okay? Here we go. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Hey, man, that's not so hard to memorize, is it? Good. Let's look at this week's. It's in your notes up here on the screen as well. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And be, Let's read this one together. At least we'll say it once. Here we go. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption Caused by human desires. Amen. Let's, let's work. E even if you just read it a couple times between now and next week, d just really, uh, really, really work on that. But I want to give you the foundational principle as well. This more, with every, every one of the sermons, the messages, there is what, what I would call a foundational conviction, something that you need to grab a hold of to believe not just as a belief or an opinion. You, you need to say, no, this is, this is important. I need to know this and I need to stand on this. So write this in your notes. This week's foundational conviction is this. I can always count on God's promises. With emphasis on always. I can always count on them, no matter what they are. In other words, when I, when I have that firm foundation, that conviction... It means that it helps me to stand firm and to stand strong in the face of shaking, adversity, trouble, all those things. So, as we dive into the, the heart of the message here, how do we know, how do we really know, besides God telling us, that we can rely on Him? Okay, Why, why do we consider God trustworthy? Besides him just saying, I'm trustworthy, you can count on me. Well, I got several things. Three, and then it, it works into number four, which is the result of that. Number one, write this in your notes. 
I can trust, I can rely on, rely on God's promises because I can trust in his word. His word would be the Bible, words that he's already spoken, that he's already written, because I can trust that God will follow through with his promises because I trust in his word in the Bible. But for each of us, it, it starts, it has to start with, with, with this value, you have to value, you have to have a high regard and a respect and a conviction that the Bible is true. That it is truth. In John 17, 7, Jesus said he was praying to the Father. And he says, Father, sanctify them by, your, by the truth. And then he says, your word is what? Truth. Your word is truth. Now, we keep coming back to this, and I, you're going, well, Pastor, you've talked about this a lot, and I will until the day I die. That the, We need to have a firm, strong conviction about the Bible being true because it is the, the foundation of your faith. Matter of fact, think about it. If you, don't, if you doubt... Okay, you read the Bible and you're going, I, I don't think that's true. No, 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 no way. God, you couldn't mean that. There's no way. Or did that, re no, that, that story, Noah building a boat took 120 years. It rained and covered the earth. Surely that's got to be a metaphor. That's not real. The minute you start going that direction, you might as well throw this out the door. You, you don't have this left. All you've got is yourself, you've got your opinions, you've got your feelings, and you've got what the rest of the world says. That's it. The, the fact that this book, the Bible, the Word of God, is 100% true, it is reliable, it is inerrant, without error, and it is relevant for you today, is the foundation, the bedrock of our Christian faith. That's why so much of the Christian world is, is faltering. They've thrown this out the door and they said, you know what, we'll use it when it's, when it's convenient. But otherwise, we got our own ideas. This has to be at the very foundation of everything that we do and everything that we believe. And the reason that we can trust the book is because we can know the author. Isn't that neat? For those of you who read, still read books, okay, um, when you read a book and, and if there's by chance you, you've done some studying about the author, right? It's not just a random author. Somebody said, oh, you ought to read this book. It's really cool. But all of a sudden you are aware of, you know, maybe personally know the author. There's something about the book. You go, this is good stuff. I know that guy. I know that girl. And this is real. You get to know the author of the Bible, it's God himself that you get to know in an intimate way. And one of the reasons many people have, a, have an issue trusting God is because they don't really know him. They know about him. But the more you know about God, the more you know God, the more, the easier it is for you to say, well, of course I trust his word. Because I trust him. One of the big problems for many people right now 
in this world is they, they think they trust God, but they've never really had to up until now. For some, maybe some of you, but I know for a lot of people, in the, even the Christian world, their faith is taking a real hit. Their lives are being shaken because up till this point, they have been, I would call it sort of self-made. They've been able to make good decisions in their lives. They've been able to have the resources to do whatever they wanted to do. They've been talented enough to find their way through life. And, and they, they trust God as their Savior, but they've never had to trust God to come through in a situation where they were helpless to do it on their own. And all of a sudden, they find themselves there. And they're going, God, I don't know what to do, God. I've never faced this one before. I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of decision to make. I don't have the resources to figure my way to work, you know, to spend my way out of this one. And so their world is shaking right now because they've never had to trust God. My suggestion to every one of us this morning is that when you start trusting God for the small things, I mean everything, trusting Him for the big things is going to be automatic for you. It will just be the obvious next step. So what happens when you do? When you finally get to the point of saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to rely on you, your word, your promises, your resources, whatever. Here's what 1 Peter says, chapter 1. He says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Then he says, though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls, both now and for eternity. So what does it feel like? When you finally get to the point of saying, okay, God, this is all you. I, I, I'm not even going to trust my own intuition on this one. I'm going to trust in your word. I'm going to trust in your promise. I'm going to trust that you're going to come through. And he does. You know what happens? You experience this inexpressible joy like you've never had before. That's the reward, both now and for eternity. Number two, the second thing, reason I can rely on God to come through, is because of His compassion. All right, I can rely on His compassion for me. In, uh, toward the end of the Bible, there's three little books, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And uh, 1 John... You'll find, you'll find this concept in there, is that, that God loves us. He loves you because God is love. In other words, God can't help it. <laughs> it's his character. God, because of who he is, he loves you. He loves everything about you. You can never not be loved by God because that's, that would be out of character for him. It's just what he does. And everything that God does, he does out of love for you. 
In Psalm 145, it says this, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, and He has compassion on all He has made. What has He made? (laughs) Everything. He made you. He has compassion on you and for you. You know, when God helps you, when God provides for you, when God saves you, and when God takes care of you, He doesn't do it begrudgingly. Did you know that? Okay, again, come on, man. That's not what God does. God loves to help you. I want you to catch that this morning. God loves to help you because he loves to help his children. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are either a son or daughter of God. And he loves to take care of his children. And he does it with a smile on his face. Look what it says in James 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. That would be our heavenly Father, who does not change like shifting shadows. The reality is this. God is eagerly longing to demonstrate his power and his promises to you. Even more than you are. God is just, I mean, it's, it, I don't know that God gets giddy, but I just, I sort of picture it. That God is like, just ask, just ask, give me the chance, give me the chance. I have so much for you. So much I want to do in your life. So many blessings, so much provision, so much good stuff. Just trust me. Just ask me. Just reach out to me. And he's just eagerly waiting. And he's wanting it even more than you do for yourself. Matthew 7 gives us a clue of this. Verse 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, that would be like all of us at some point, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's what I want you to know today. God wants to help you. He really does. Whatever you need from God, He wants to help you because He loves you. Number three is that I can believe in His character. I can trust His word. I can rely on Him to come through because I believe in His character. You know, if there's ever a time... Or a situation when a person's character mattered. It really is today, right? It's now. And it's even God's character. I mean, you look back over the last several years and all the hard times that we went through and all the difficulties when people's true character was revealed. Were you surprised by some people? Were you surprised by yourself? (laughs) I didn't realize I'd respond that way, or I didn't realize they would. And and so whenever we go through difficult times and life gets 
pretty intense. Character matters. And more than anything, God's character matters. God has so many demands on himself. The pressure right now on God is enormous. But he loves it because he thrives on proving himself to come through as God. Deuteronomy 7, 9, way back toward the beginning of the Bible, says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his command. What a promise. But did you notice the premise in there? Right at the end. For the people, here's the premise for those of us who trust him, who love him, and keep his commands. He will fulfill his, he will keep his covenant, he will fulfill his promise of love to a thousand generations. Now, we're, we're still, because this was originally written to the Hebrews, to the, the children of Israel, we're still within that thousand generation time period. But think about this. All right, this isn't just about you. When you choose to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, doesn't mean you're perfect, but you love God, and you obey his commands, you do everything possible to do everything God tells you to do, not only do you experience the promise of God's love, his covenant in your life, it goes for your children, your grandchildren, their children, and on down the generations. Are you getting it? The life you live, the decisions you make, aren't just for you. They're for the people who come after you. And God will honor your commitment to him in the people that come after you. And at this point, he says it to a thousand generations. But there's a premise along with the promise. You know, whenever, whenever it appears that God has a character flaw, okay? Something, either God does something or he doesn't do something or maybe it's in the Bible and, and someone, someone feels as if God has a character flaw. It usually means that we either don't understand God or we're imposing onto God our human expectations of what we think he should do. But look what it says in uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Those last two questions are rhetorical. The answer is an obvious, resounding no. He hasn't. He always comes through. He always does what he says he's going to do. Yet how often have you heard things like, maybe you've said it, maybe you've heard other people say things like, well, if God was real, he wouldn't have done that, or he wouldn't have done this, or he would do this, or he would do that. How could a loving God, if you say God is God and he's loving, there's no way he could do this. You ever hear that? You probably feel... We think it sometimes, right? Even I have questions. 
God, why? God, why did you let this happen? Why did you let that person suffer, die? Why do you let those things happen in the world? I, we got a lot of questions. It doesn't affect my relationship and my trust in him, but I just wonder sometimes, right? Anybody with me? We do. It's human. But there's coming a day when every one of those questions won't matter. Because we'll see, when we see Jesus face to face and we see the Father on the throne, every one of those questions are just going to disappear from our mind. They won't matter. But what happens is, when people have those legitimate, you know, God couldn't be real because he wouldn't do this. What they're doing is they're imposing themselves into God. In other words, if I were God, I would not do that. And you're like, well, it's a good thing you're not God. Okay, you all right? Here's what it says in, uh, in 2 Samuel 22. By the way, people that have those really deep issues don't really know God and have a relationship with him. 2 Samuel 22. It says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Now, do you catch the, the premise and the promise there? Okay, it, it says that God will be their protection or God will be a shield for me if he becomes my protection. And then he says, for, for who is God except the Lord? But, but he says, who but our God is a solid rock. God is my fortress, strong fortress and he makes my way perfect because he is perfect. God is God, and I'm sorry to tell you, you are not. You're not him. God's ways, we know from Scripture, we know from experience, God's ways are so much bigger, better, and, and, and amazing than ours are. So just know that. When God doesn't do things the way you think he should you expect him to or you want him to just know this his way is better than yours and you will only know that when you truly trust him now because of God's word because of God's love and because of God's character number four I can have faith that God that he will meet all of my needs all of them. In, a, in other words, everything that I need, God can take care of. Everything. Every single thing. He promises to do this. And because, because of his love for you and me, he is eager. Catch this. God is eager to do so much more for you than what you expect. Way more. Philippians 4.19 says this. And this same God who takes care of me, Paul is talking, he, he takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. If there is a statement or a word that I want you to get today out of this whole message, it's this. God 
wants to take care of you. God wants to take care of you. He wants to take care of your family. He wants to take care of your future. And he's just eagerly waiting for you to trust in him to do that. He will fulfill his promise. Now, I want to... As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, what kind of needs do we have? If God's going to meet all my needs, what is an example of that, especially in our world today? What are some needs that I have that I can trust God because of what he does, because of what he says, because of who he is, that he will take care of me? So I put these in your notes. I'm going to go through these real quick. Uh, different needs that may jump out. I know we I know there's we got thousands of needs, but these, the ones that in here cover cover a lot of territory and the first one is this one of the needs I have is I just need some peace right well God is he says I am Jehovah Shalom I am the God who gives you peace that's who I am when I need healing God says I am Jehovah Rapha I am the healer I am the God who heals you when I need strength, it says in Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. When I need guidance, <laughs> I just need to know what to do, where to go. It says the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, I will lead you to where I want you to go. When I need confidence, I think many of us are lacking confidence these days, just wondering which end is up, right? Well, God gave us in the New Testament when Jesus went back into heaven, God gave us His Holy Spirit, which is really the presence and the Spirit of God to dwell in us. And when you open your heart and you trust in the presence and the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, He gives you the confidence to know the heart the will, and the mind of Jesus Christ. When I need victory, some of us need that right now. God says, I am Jehovah Nisi. I am the God who has already given you victory. When I need provision, I think many of us know this one. God says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I will provide for all your needs. When I need purpose in life, sometimes we sort of feel lost. Life feels meaningless. We wake up in the morning and go, well, why am I doing this? What, what is my real purpose for my existence today? God says, I'm your creator. I created you and I created everything in this world by design, and by purpose. And I, God would say to you this morning, I have a plan and a purpose for your life today. When I need to change, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I'm thinking it's unanimous. How many of you have ever needed to change anything in your life, right? God says, I am Jehovah M. Kadesh. I am the God who sanctifies. I change you. I sanctify you so that you become more like my son, Jesus Christ. 
and then I need to be saved. That would be all of us at some point. God says, I am Adonai. I am the mighty God who saves you and delivers you and gives you a new life. Adonai. That's who God is. Isn't that amazing? That's just what God does because it's who He is. He loves us and He wants to meet every need that you have in life. If you love Him, if you obey Him, and if you trust Him. He's eagerly waiting for that. What happens when I do? A last verse in your notes. I love this. Isaiah 49. He says, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who trust in me will not be disappointed. I can tell you this morning, from the bottom of my heart, from the promises in God's word, and from personal experience, when you reach out your hand, and you put your hand in the hand of God, who is reaching out to you right now, and you simply say, God, I put all of my life, I put all my hope, and I put all of my trust in you. And then you let go, with this hand here, you let go of all the things you're hanging on to, and you join it with God's other hand. You will never be disappointed. It will be the most powerful, amazing, life-changing experience you've ever had. Because you can trust God all the time. He will never let you down. But you've got to let go of what you've been hanging on to. And you've got to grab a hold of what God has for you. That one concept of you trusting God in His promises is a foundation that you can build your life on so that no matter what happens, no matter how rough the waters get, no matter how intense the fire gets, no matter how much the ground shakes around you, you know without a shadow of a doubt that God will hold you, He will provide for you, He will keep you strong, and He will be your protector, and provider in everything. He will do that.